Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. I could care less about the team struggling. I want to kiss you. All right. Bill's Mafia, thank you so much for choosing to spend your Monday with me. You're listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. You're listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network where we have new podcast for your ears seven days a week and literally twice on sundays we've also got you covered over on the youtube channel we have brand new bills content for your ear holes and your eyeballs every single day of the week let's go ahead and get started we had an amazing blowout win against the jets something we all needed to see I don't think any of us, we want to win more than anything, but if we ended up winning this game by a slim margin against the Jets, that was going to have a hard time convincing us to shake off that loss from last week. And they went out there and took care of business. Both sides of the ball, Mike White. Who? Mike White, the guy who thinks he should have been a first-round pick, had a hard time against this Bills pass defense. But that's not something that we should have been surprised about. Mike White against this pass defense was a mismatch. We are still the number one rated pass defense in the NFL. Went out there today, picked Mike White off four times. He actually threw a pick to out of the basically five starting defensive backs. He threw a pick to four of them. He threw a pick to Teron Johnson. He threw a pick to to Levi. He threw a pick to Trey. He threw a pick to Poyer. The only one who didn't get a pick was Micah Hyde, but he forced the fumble and caused the fumble on a long pass there as well. So all five defensive backs getting in on the action and getting turnovers today. But what we wanted to see, what we were all paying attention for, what was going to make us feel content was the offensive line. That's what we were really paying attention to. And Spencer Brown coming back and getting Ike Bodker out there. That was the difference. The Jets are not a good team. We all know that. They're 2-7. and Yes, they've beat the Titans, and uh, they have another quality win. I don't remember who it is right now, but they are not a good team. I don't believe Zach Wilson's a good quarterback. I don't believe Mike White is a good quarterback. But they do have a good defensive line. And I think our offensive line held up pretty well today. 
with that new Spencer Brown being back in the lineup and flipping over Daryl Williams back over to the right guard spot. Worked out pretty well. The rush game, there's two different layers, I think, to getting the rush game success going. One was the offensive line. I think that was 1A. 1B was the reemergence of Isaiah McKenzie and the jet sweep and the motion. I was not a fan of that last year, and I, I see the error in my ways. I think that play gives the defense something to think about. I think what Brian Dable and most offensive coordinators do when they're drawing up plays, especially in today's NFL, it's a little bit different. You see all the RPOs and everything like that. They want to hold the linebacker. They want to make the linebacker think and make a decision. They want to just give him hesitation or make him commit one way or the other. That's what that jet sweep does for us. It's giving the linebacker something to think about. Even if we use it as a decoy from time to time, you know, maybe last year we overused it. I'd like to get to a place where we don't have to rely on gimmicks like that. But for right now, as much as we were all on Brian Dable last week, we have to give him credit. He brought it back. He brought Matt Breida back in, which is another element to the run game. Uh, he only had three rushes. He did score a touchdown. Three rushes, 28 yards. Devin Singletary, seven rushes, 43 yards, and a touchdown. I say it every week. I will die on this hill. Devin Singletary is the best running back on the roster right now, and he's far better than Moss. He passes every single eye test for me. Moss is fine. He's just a guy. We're making too much out of him because we want him to be something more than he is. Yes, he's a little bit of a power guy. But you know what? Devin Singletary is no slouch. He got a goal line carry. He scored today too. He drags guys with him. He's a tougher runner than he gets credit for. And I think he's every bit as tough of a runner as Zach Moss. And he's got a little more wiggle to them. Matt Breda, the speed guy, we signed him what we believe to be for a reason. He brings an element to the backfield that the Bills have not had last year and this year. He was active today. A little bit of a threat. He only got three carries, but I think just having him in there meant something. Now, he did score a touchdown on the receiving end, too. Uh, Josh Elm was phenomenal today. They left him in there late. I would have liked to see Davis Webb maybe go in there a little bit, but he ended up with 21 out of 28, 366 yards, two touchdowns. The one pick, don't really want to put on him. That was a tip ball, uh, got through the hands of the receiver. I don't remember who that was right now, but I can't blame Josh too much for that. But back to the run game, uh, Devin Singletary, seven carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Matt Breida, three rushes, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Zach Moss, seven rushes, 27 yards, and a touchdown. By the way, Emmanuel Sanders got in on the action, too, on an end around. McKenzie, two for 17, and another touchdown. So lots to... Lots of stuff going on on the ground today. Unlike our typical Bills teams, we were successful for many reasons. Credit to Brian Dable for getting back to the drawing board um, and using a fullback every now and then too. But on to the receiving, you know, we, I don't want to say we, I think there was a big part of Bills Mafia that was upset over the lack of targets for Stephon Diggs last week in that ugly game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, he made up for it this week. 
eight receptions, 162, 162 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then Gabe Davis, Grabriel Davis, as I like to call him, another sideline grab, uh, three catches, 105 yards. By the way, there was a series, I believe it was maybe towards the end of the third quarter, where maybe it was early fourth. They targeted Stephon Diggs one-on-one, and Stephon Diggs made just a ridiculous near catch on the sideline. Ultimately, he was called out. Couldn't get it in. The very next play, what a perfect pass. For all of the criticism that Josh Allen gets with his ball placement, that was one-on-one with a rookie corner with nobody over the top to protect him. And it was perfect ball placement. And it wasn't bad coverage, but a great catch with his hands and, and not bringing it into his body to get that touchdown. Uh, Stephon Diggs has got some of the best hands in the business. He's not going to always make the ridiculous one-handed grabs, but he gets two hands on it. He's pretty short-handed, and, and we have to be very proud of that. On the defensive side of the ball, of course, we were without Tremaine this week. A.J. Klein stepped in. A.J. Klein had a good game. He had a good game. He had a dropped interception really early in the game, but he was making some big tackles, and I, I believe he had a few behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, play late in the game, though, left me scratching my head. It looked like he he got shook out of his shoes. I believe it was by Michael Carter. I could be wrong about that. And he, he kind of went upfield and got a few extra yards on him. And A.J. Klein was chasing from behind and just totally whiffed on him and just ran an extra five or ten yards down the field uh, in, into another pile of bodies. Don't know what you're doing there. That it was. I, I don't know what happened or what was going through his head, but uh, that was an odd snap for AJ. But other than that, he really did have a good game, and we know what his strengths are. I believe when he came back, well, came from uh, New Orleans, I believe we we kind of wanted to peg him as more of a coverage linebacker. Um, I'm not sure that's the case. You know, he still gets a little credit for them. I think people still want to believe that he's a coverage linebacker. I, I think he's a thumper. I think he's a run stuffer. And there, there's a place for him on this football team. But I I think it may have been Steve Mathis who said earlier this week that he wanted to see Dodson in there and save some money for next year. I wouldn't have hated that either. Uh, honestly, I, I think depending on the matchup, if this was the Bucks. I think playing Klein was the right move. But if we played Dotson this week and just tried to give him some more snaps and just feel him out, that wouldn't have been a bad game plan either because Dotson is more likely to be with us next year because he is cheaper. Um, And it's the Jets. You know, I don't think we had anything to be scared of with Mike White. Obata was the only one that got a sack today. A little concerning. I don't believe the Jets' offensive line is great. They got a couple of really nice pieces on there in Mackay Becton and uh, Vera Tucker. But not really close, not sniffing a lot of sacks today. The one that he got was because, the one that Obata got was because Mike White ran out of bounds. And it was it was like a yard short. It was not a, not a great sack. But um, something to keep our eyes on because I know we've talked about it and it's well known by Bill's Mafia that how much we've invested in this team and how much we want to pressure quarterbacks. And 
what we are doing in the draft was double dipping and, and really trying to establish a pass rush presence. And it's not been consistent this year. Um, not panicking. We're winning games. We're, we're doing what we need to do. Obviously, they forced Mike White into four interceptions today. But not getting the sacks, something to keep an eye on, um, especially since we invested so heavily into that position. But enough of that. Great win. Feeling better. We need, We all needed this win. We needed to wipe that last week out of our minds. We need to get that taste out of our mouth, and we did. We're feeling better. We're going into another tough game. By the way, the Indianapolis Colts, they're not competing for their division title. They're essentially four games back of the Tennessee Titans with seven left to play. They're not going to get the title, but they're still playing for the playoffs. They're still a better team than we think. They had a really rough start. Carson Wentz has been hurt. Carson Wentz is quietly playing really well. He is. And I don't think he has a great receiving supporting cast. Michael Pittman is great. I like Michael Pittman when he was drafted. T.Y. Hilton is a shell of what he used to be. And, you know, Zach Pascal is fine. You know, Zach Pascal is our... I don't know that we really have a strong comparison for him, but he's 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 fine. Um, but Carson Wentz is playing really well. He has that run game. Jonathan Taylor is a stud. I believe we all liked him. We wanted him in the in the second round last year when he was taken. But the Colts are sneaky good. The good defensive line, good defensive linebackers, uh, questionable secondary. You know, I have a conversation coming up with Matt Johnson, who is a Colts fan living in Buffalo, uh, which is kind of neat because I'm a Bills fan living in Indy. But we have a conversation coming up here in a little bit, and we'll discuss that. But I'm picking a Bills victory, but I have some reservations about it. I don't think it's a gimme. I think there's at least some doubt. I think the Colts are better than they're going to get credit for. Uh, I think the smarter Bills fans are looking at this game going, yeah, this one's something that we need to keep our eyes on. When the Colts win a wild card spot, they most likely will. I, I'm going to put them in there. I they, they have a few losses in it. They might not get there, but I, I'd put money on them getting in. That is an interesting wild card matchup for whoever doesn't get the number one seed. So if we're the Bills and we get the two or three seed, we match up against Indy again. Remember, they almost beat us last year with Old Man Rivers, who, when you watch him throw a football, is like he's throwing a shot put, and the football weighed 10 pounds every... Just a ridiculous release, and he was still able to play pretty well against us. Um, They've upgraded. Carson Wentz is a large upgrade from him. And... The Colts are going to be a tough out in the playoffs should they get in. We also got the Pats coming up. Pats are on fire. Cleveland is a good team, too. They absolutely destroyed Cleveland. They made Cleveland look silly. All of this Baker Mayfield resurgence and upset about Odell Beckham making him blah, 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 whatever. He used up all that juice last week. This week he was not good. Uh, But the Pats, we want to poo-poo them. We shouldn't. They're only a half game back on us. We have two games with them left. We are being overconfident if we're overlooking the Patriots right now. Mac Jones is better than Cam Newton. That's not a high bar to clear, and look how good that team was last year. They still have a good defense. They still have Bill Belichick. 
I would really like to win that first game against them coming up in two weeks. Because I don't want to go into that second game worrying about tiebreakers. If we already have the one game against them in hand, then that game is less of a, of a must win. And if we win it, it would probably clench the division at that point. Maybe. But this is our third division victory. We have two more against the Patriots and one more against the Jets. We should most likely win two. It's possible we drop one to the Patriots. Um, but let's not overlook them. The, the Patriots are not the stinker that many want to paint them to be. They're playing good teams tough. And they'll play us tough. I'm sure they will. Bill Belichick is a Hall of Fame coach. He's a cheating bastard, but he's a Hall of Fame coach. Um, you know, we got games against the Bucks coming up. We have, you know, Cam Newton looked good today for the Panthers. I'm not buying that forever. He was just so terrible last year. You know, I'm, I'm not buying it. Maybe it's time for me to let go of my man crush on Sam Darnold and admit that I was wrong about him the whole time, but I don't think Cam's the answer either. Uh, Patriots do have a good defense, but I'm not sure I have much of a worry about that Panthers game. That is it. That's all I wanted to talk to you about this week. Now, we have that special conversation, uh, crosstalk with Matt Johnson. We have Real or Silly with Justin Goddard and in the Mafia hot seat this week. We have Built in Buffalo brother Izzy Monero over from the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. You can find him on Fridays on First Round Buy with Justice and Jake, two of my favorite people on the network. All right. Without further ado, let's get you right in the crosstalk. Vince Taylor and Built in Buffalo proudly present Crosstalk, chatting up the opposition. All right, Bill's Mafia, I have a little treat for you this week as I am bringing on a Colts fan in Buffalo. And as you know, I am a Bill's fan in Indianapolis, so this is kind of fun. Matt Johnson, how are you? I am great, my friend. How are you? I'm always doing better than I deserve. <laughs> Dude, uh, I, I know I said it before we went on air, but seriously, so thank you so much for reaching out. I'm not sure. I can't remember how we connected. Um, I can't remember how we connected on Twitter, but uh, when you reached out to me and and told me that you were a Bills fan living in Indianapolis, I'm like, how perfect is this? It's just this just makes too much sense. So, um, thank you so much for the opportunity. So, how did you end up being a Colts fan out in Buffalo? Okay, um, well, it's definitely obviously hard. My dad, uh, you know, dad grew up diehard Bills fan, and uh, uh, but once I started to really you know, be able to understand football a little bit. And we were watching the 98 draft and my, my dad said, Hey, that guy there, Peyton Manning, he's going to be really good someday. And that was kind of my instantaneous, uh, you know, jump to, to the Colts. Uh, honestly, if he would have, if the Colts would have passed him by and, and, and the chargers drafted him, I might be a chargers fan right now, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but Peyton Manning was my, uh, was kind of my reason to getting in, uh, for getting into it. And, uh, 
And we've had a lot of good years. All right. The last decade hasn't been very kind to us, but, uh, you know, there's uh, certainly a little bit of a pride that, that, that comes with being a Colts fan. Yeah. I am, as a Bills fan, there was a long time a lot of us were jealous of the Colts quarterbacks because <laughs> you went from Peyton Manning, you know, right into Andrew Luck. And right now, maybe you're sort of not in the same spot, but, you know, you still have Carson Wentz. Of and, course. you know, the Colts had a rough start, but they're sneaky. Carson Wentz, anyway, sneaky. He's not playing terrible. I, uh, full disclosure, I totally did not want Carson Wentz to be our quarterback this year. Uh, did not did not want the trade. I seen what it happened in Philadelphia, and uh, and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. I'm actually like a huge Philip Rivers fan. Like Rivers is my favorite player of all time, so I got really excited last year when he joined. And I I, I get it. The offense was somewhat limited with him, but I was like, man, one more year, right? That's got to be the ticket that does it. Um, so I did. I wasn't happy about Carson, and then he sprained his ankles, and I'm just like, like in that. Or no, he hurt his foot at practice. I'm like, oh, here we go. And then he sprained both his ankles against the Rams on one tackle. I'm like, oh, here we go again. And uh, I was, I was not excited. But I listen the way that Carson's been playing. I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to, uh, to have him as, as QB one right now at Indianapolis. I am. Well, I'm with you too. I, I mean, not like I follow Colts or have any skin in the game but i didn't like the trade for the colts because i didn't like what i was hearing out of philly and right. a lot of that's on carson like not wanting to run the plays purposely throwing the ball like there's just some really bad stuff even when he was good you know he's just sort of i don't know like is he really that guy and right now it seems like he's trending up definitely but you mentioned philip rivers uh, I was very obnoxious about the Colts. Colts were the team I wanted to face first because I thought we would roll right over them. You and a lot I, of other people made my made that whole week ahead of time very miserable for me. <laughs> yeah, well, you watched you watched Philip Rivers throw a football and it looks painful for him, and somehow oh he's still kind of effective. And he nearly beat us. You know that was a game that I was like, ah, this is going to be a, a blowout. I was more worried about the Ravens game, and right. uh, I had to eat a little crow on that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, old man Rivers. Uh, he, you know, I as as sad as I was when he retired, I was happy. I was kind of happy that he went out that way, right? He didn't have one of his classic playoff games where he throws a bunch of interceptions or um, a ton of incompletions or just that. He actually played really, really well against Buffalo, and I was glad. Um, I, I, I'm I'm pretty glad in in, in hindsight that uh, you know, that was, was kind of the game that he went out on. And of course, the Colts. For a few years now, we've been jealous of the Colts offensive line, all the talent that the Colts have on the offensive line this year. Maybe that's not been their strength. Uh, it's, it's coming together now, uh, but you are hundred percent right. And in the first month to two months, it's been, it's been bad. Uh, the Colts lost Anthony Costanzo. He retired. He was the man drafted to protect Peyton Manning and they never blocked for him once. Um, Costanzo retired after multiple leg injuries, knee injuries. He, uh, he hung it up. They went out and got Eric Fisher. It's been a really slow start for Fisher. Uh, they are starting to gel now, which I which I am excited about. Carson is very is pretty well uh, protected, um, but slow start undoubtedly. So they had Quentin Nelson missing for a few weeks. Braden Smith has been out. They just extended him uh, for a, a a pretty penny, so to speak. And uh, it, it's been a lot of there's been a lot of gelling and and 
and stuff. I, I wasn't happy with the way that Chris Ballard handled the offensive line uh, in the in the offseason. I, I really wasn't. It, de- as far as depth goes or, or really trying to make a splash sign to give this team the, the edge as far as being a solid offensive line, was not uh, was not stoked about it. Well, you're probably familiar with the offensive line woes that the Bills are having right now at this moment, and we yeah. pretty much largely ignored it. I know we had Spencer Brown, and he's coming back for this week, uh, so he should be well ready by the time the Bills face the Colts. But the Bills' offensive line, not a lot, not a lot to like about that after this past week and overall in general. I, I mean, horrible, absolutely horrible. I, you know, as, as somebody who watched. Andrew Luck go through the same thing, bad offensive line play. Literally, his career is, is was far too short because uh, our general manager, Ryan Grigson at the time, did not want to invest in a offensive line. You know, I watched him hurt year in, year out. I'm just, I, when I see other teams do that, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, they, they did not, make, Buffalo, disappointingly, did not make a lot of huge, huge moves at offensive line. Um, their line played okay last year. Their line played decent, um, but that's not acceptable anymore. That that I mean, the fact that Jacksonville held that Jacksonville's defense, which is so below average, uh, held that high-powered offense to only six points. Of course, none of it being touchdowns um, is absolutely dreadful. I mean, I don't even know if Josh Allen can go under center. Like, right? He, I think he's in shotgun almost every for just about every time he's on the field because his line play is that bad. I. I it's 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 not a good look. It's not a good look. Buffalo is a Super Bowl team this year, and at least you know that's that's what a lot of people believe, and I still do believe that. But uh, that offensive line has not done them any favors. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a contender. I think they're in the conversation. I still don't know if I want to put them as my number one team, even in the AFC. But they're certainly in that realm. But you know, over the off season, you give. Josh Allen, that huge contract, but at the same time, you don't do anything in the draft. Yes, Spencer Brown is there, but that wasn't the plan. The plan was to start Daryl Williams. They just moved him in there because it's been so bad. (laughs) So, Matt, that offensive line matched up against the Colts' defensive line. What do you see there? Uh, I mean, a good matchup, Uh, a really good matchup. I know, right, we're playing uh, at time of recording, not this Sunday, but this upcoming Sunday. Um. Uh, but the following Sunday, but um, I, I think it's a pretty good matchup. I honestly, you know, with, with how they're starting to gel, I, I like the Colts chances of holding up. It's not going to be perfect, but, uh, but I, I like their, their chances of, of holding up. Now, if we, if Colts in, in Buffalo played in the first month, oh, I'd give the edge to, to the bills pass rush all day, all day. But I think it's a little bit more even, even now, I, I think it's going to be a pretty, it's going to be a cool chess match to, to, to watch. You give the advantage to the, the Bills pass rush against the Colts offensive line? Um, Like I said, probably a month ago. Right now, I, I think it's pretty even keel. I, I would dare say it's pretty even keel. Uh, they, they're pulling guys. Indianapolis is pulling guys out of the hat that, are, you know, just off the bench that are just filling in really, really nicely, gelling nicely. I, I can't even I'm sure he's been sacked. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but Carson's held up well. And now we're getting the run game going pretty significantly. Um, so, so I'd say I would I would say it's pretty close right now. Yeah, I'd say the Bills defensive line they invested heavily in it this season and the last offseason in former free agency. And you they're know, young. And, and they're young. young. There's some really 
interesting and exciting players. I love Groot. I love Epinenza. You know, Jerry Hughes, as you may or well may or may not be familiar with. Um, but it just seems like the pass rush as a whole is sort of, hey, we're here. Hey, we're not here. We're going to take this week off. Uh, we can beat up on a bad offensive line like the Dolphins. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that doesn't necessarily equate to success against a team like the Colts. Yeah, it's it's man, it's one of those strange, peculiar things where, um, you know, obviously after last week against the Jags, this is definitely a week to week league, right? I mean, it's 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 got to be. Um, it is a matter of whether they show up or not, because uh, like we've seen a lot of good stuff in preseason, we've seen a lot of good stuff this year from that Bills pass rush that that indicates that hey, this this team can kind of go after just about anybody. So um, it, it really depends on what, you know, how this Bills team shows up. I, I think that there's a chance, you know, uh, Carson's definitely a lot more mobile than Phillip Rivers was. So, uh, so that, that may make things a little bit complicated, but, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about the Bills pass rush. Let's talk Colts wide receivers because T.Y. Hilton has been, <laughs> I mean, he he's had a really great career. Like he has made a lot, he's a long, he, he's, I want to say if I told you he was more of a Marvin Harrison clone, that wouldn't be quite right, but he's in that mold of a smaller shiftier wide receiver. Correct. And he's, he's had a really good career making long plays and getting open, but lately he's slowing down because he's been hurt. He's been hurt. That's kind of been his, his, his uh, MO unfortunately the last handful of years, even last year he was healthy for a good portion of it, but he did nothing in the first half of the season, legitimately nothing. Uh, he's only played a game and a half so far this year, but he is expected to start uh, this upcoming week. So, so far, so good. But yeah, T.Y., I, I was one of the people who advocated for T.Y. to come home because uh, I thought this team was going to be so much better uh, record-wise. Other than that, like, hey, let's give him one last playoff run. But uh, it, there's a part of me that, you know, that, that kind of regrets being one of those people. Uh, unfortunately, I think they gave him like a $10 million contract or something like that. And, uh, it is certainly not, he, he hasn't really lived up to it. Let's just say that. Do you have strong feelings about any of the other Colts wide receivers? Michael Pittman, I believe he's hurt. Um, Zach Pascal, Paris Campbell. Uh, as far as Pittman goes, uh, I think Pittman is the next. Marvin Harrison. Uh, I think I think it's going to skip a generation. If you've watched some, you know, if anybody who's watched any Colts games this year, Pittman is making spectacular catches, grabs over defenders. Um, he has been one. Of, if I had to pick, he's up there as far as Colts MVPs go. Um, that's hands down Jonathan Taylor. But Pittman has a is an interesting case going for him. He's uh, he's made a lot of spectacular grabs, one handed, two handed grabs, grabs in double coverage. He had a couple of grabs and triple coverage as well. And I, I love Pittman. I really needed to see him emerge as the guy before I was ready to fully move on from T.Y. Hilton this year. Uh, as far as the other ones go, Zach Pascal has always been kind of one of those underrated wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes. Dude produces. He does pretty well for himself. Um, I don't know if he's a wide receiver one or two on any just any other team. But for what Pascal has been able to do in Indianapolis, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that fact. Uh, and Paris Campbell, I'm disappointed. I, I'm just disappointed. He has been injured every single year. Um, he's supposed to come back against Arizona on Christmas Day. That's a, that's allegedly their little timeline for him right now. 
But I've never seen somebody somebody with so much promise, so much hype, uh, be so disappointing in the injury department as I have with with Paris Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're measuring the two position groups, I think the the edge certainly has to go to the Bills wide receiver group. I, I the Bills wide receiver oh, yeah. group's got to be a top five in the NFL. I, I agree. I, I definitely agree. Um, I wish they get to Gabriel Davis in the mix a little bit more. I'm a big uh, Gabriel Davis stand, but listen, they're it, Stephon Diggs. That that trade has paid off in dividends. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders signing has been incredible. Who would have thought he'd have the year that he's been having? And uh, Cole Beasley, Buffalo's most loved and hated man, at the same time is uh, you know tremendous at what he does. One of the hardest working wide receivers I think I've ever laid my eyes on. This dude grinds for every single yard. Uh, it's a it's a very good receiving core. I mean, it's been so good. Gabriel Davis had a good season last year. When he was called up, he did his job, and he's not getting any playing time. So I think that speaks volumes uh, to where Buffalo is at in the receiving game. Yeah, we <laughs> most loved and hated man is, is absolutely correct. <laughs> but I mean, I don't have to care for everything and all those opinions. outside. No, I, 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 I only care about the football player. Yes. Really on the football him. field. That's the guy. I don't think there's a better slot guy in the NFL than him right now. Absolutely right. And I, first of all, he's got great hands. He's so hard to cover. And what I love about him is he's super smart as well. So he knows where the marker's at. And instead of trying to play a little hot dog or, you know, wiggle the way to a few extra yards, he's just going to lay out and, and he's going to dive for the first down. He's going to get up and he's going to do it again on the next down. Uh, so he, he is a smart football player, at least for football, uh, you know, football reasons. But, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs is who he is. He, he leads the league. The, the Bills wide receiver group is hard to cover. Uh, sideline to sideline because they are all yes. really good at route running. And that's, 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 you know, that's a good thing for Buffalo heading into this matchup because the Colts secondary is, uh, it's atrocious. It's bad. I, I hate it. I, that was probably, I mean, the offensive line woes, I, I know they're coming together right now for, for the Colts, but the secondary is probably the one thing I'm most mad uh, about Chris Ballard for, for not really attacking as well as he could have. There's a lot of good secondary pieces out there in the free agency market this year. And, uh, and, and he didn't want to, he didn't want to reach. He didn't, I understand he didn't want to overspend on some, but, um, some teams got really nice secondary pieces that are helping their team out this year. I was critical of the bills. I mean, I liked our secondary. Obviously I think our secondary, uh, is one of the best in the league. Obviously we're, I think we're the top rated pass defense in the league. Yes. I was one of the ones who I like Levi. Levi Wallace is great. He's fine. He was a piece that I thought we could have upgraded, but. Right. The way the season's going right now, he's damn near close to being our best corner. He's playing really well right now. He's playing up, and that, that's a good thing. I remember, I mean, the last year, the last couple of years, he was being targeted. Uh, like, offenses were literally targeting Levi Wallace as often as they could. Um, but he's he's playing up. He's definitely playing. Didn't he have a pick six against the Ravens last year in the playoff game? Was that oh, that, that was Teron Johnson. Oh, that's what it was. My fault. My apologies. But, uh no, I, I like I like Wallace a lot. He's definitely played up. You're not hearing his name in a negative light uh, like you have in previous years. I the Colts secondary. It's and you're 
you're dissatisfied with it. And I feel like that has been the book on the Colts secondary since I've lived in Indianapolis since I was 12. <laughs> uh, but it's not, I mean, there's been great players there. I, I mean, I was a big Bob Sanders fan. I, I don't even like the I Colts. Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders was great. Um, Mom, but great. I kind of thought we were getting that out of our nickel back with uh, Teron Johnson. And it's not really been that way. He's a great tackler, but he's, he's improving in his cover skills. But I mean, the, the Colts have taken swings like that. They, I mean, Rocky scene, I believe was a second round pick. Uh, yes. I think second, second or third, it would, no, no higher, no lower than that. Uh, but he's been, he's growing, but he's been largely disappointing. He's a guy that a lot of people have been calling. Well, Colts Twitter have been calling for, for Ballard to just kind of give up on this dude either gave up big yardage or gave up a big time pass interference penalty. That's kind of where, where he's, he's been at. He he's playing a little bit better, but I'm not seeing the growth that Chris Ballard, I think expects or expected for, for a year three guy. Well, was he also responsible for Molly Cooker? I think Hooker, I got to double check. Let me confirm that. But I believe that Hooker was a Grigson product. Let me just double check on that. I apologize. Um, let's see. PFR. Drafted. Third round. Oh, yes, he was. You are right. No, no, it's Millie Harrison. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, he's gone now, so it doesn't matter. Yes, it is true. Uh 2017. So I think that was Grigson's last. Was that Grigson's last year? Man, I am so I'm slacking here today. That's okay. I, <laughs> I do the same thing. But the Colts, I mean, they have as much as Bills fans are kind of split. Even right now. Course, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Malik Hooker was a Ballard project product. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, you know, he, he's trying to take swings, but, you know, you got Xavier Rhodes. He's hurt right now. He's a really good corner. You have Kenny Moore, who a lot of people consider to be the best corner, the nickel corner in the yes. NFL. Um, so there's still some pieces there, but I don't know a lot about your two safeties. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, Julian Blackman uh, was kind of our guy, and he's he's hurt. He was a he was a rookie last year. And he was hitting really well, and he got banged up. It, it's uh, it's 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 not a good mix right now. It's, it's really not. It's, you know, depth has been a, a big issue in the Ballard regime. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's not really good right there for the, uh, for the Colts. I, I sort of feel that way about the bills too. Like we, we have very good starters. And then after that, you know, you got some question marks. I, a lot of people were uh, wanting to see uh, Cam Lewis. He's a Buffalo product. So they're excited about that. Yeah. Um, but they also, I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. The, the, the sixth round pick from last year, he was a rookie corner. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we have not seen a lot from him. He's gotten to a play, you know, made a, here, a play here or there. And I think that we hang on to that and we automatically believe he's going to be great. Eh, I'm not really so sure. So I, I think our starters are good. But after that, the depth's pretty questionable. Yeah, I I will give uh... – being a lot of credit, you know, there, there are some significant homegrown pieces, but he has been aggressive in free agency. He has been aggressive in trades. Uh, and, and I think he's drafted relatively well. Um, you know, the, the bills, I mean, I, on the, sir, I think even in depth, they're, they're not terrible. Uh, I'm not stoked of course about the offensive line for Buffalo or the running backs, but, um, but I think in some instances, you know, 
there's 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 decent depth there. But uh, being on the surface, this team, like of course, on paper, starters, everybody good. Uh, I think the Bills are one of the best to, to you know to be perfectly honest. But the depth thing is always so so hard. It, it, it you can't even let it be an excuse anymore because we've seen we're seeing what the Ravens have done this year, right? Ravens half their team before the season decimated yeah. IR out in just banged up might come back at some point and they're still winning games uh for the most part i mean you know the miami well, yeah. game was pretty bad but uh, other than that they're still beating good teams you have your cornerback you have your quarterback and that covers up a lot of warts yeah i i mean you have lamar jackson and maybe he's not my flavor of quarterback but that guy's pretty good I mean, I don't. I feel like we have to keep defending him, and people that hate him are always going to hate on him. But objectively yeah. speaking, as a guy who does not have a dog in this fight, <laughs> if Lamar was my quarterback, I'd be okay with it. No, one hundred percent. I've actually seen a lot of growth between last year and this year of Lamar Jackson. I'm actually like really like uh, the people who still do the running back joke. It's like one of like really that's all you got. Like that's really all you have. Lamar Jackson's playing up this year. Uh, he's a better passer than he was in previous years. And a lot of that might have to do with the fact that his running, his running backs were decimated, right? Uh, his, his JK Dobbins and a couple other pieces decimated by injuries. Um, he's elevated in the pat And it, as far as being a passer goes, I'm, I'm pretty proud of how Lamar is. Cause I was critical of Lamar. Um, you know, I thought after the MVP season last year, he was a little, he was definitely a little underwhelming. But uh, but this year, I think a lot of the responsibility for how that offense ticks has uh, fallen on his shoulders to go out there and make plays. You know, he can't just go out there and be uh, rushing Lamar Jackson. He's, he's got to go be past Lamar Jackson. I think he's risen to that challenge pretty, pretty well. Um, yeah, I'm not a bit, I'm not a fan of the uh, the Lamar Jackson is just a running back who throws the ball uh, point. I think that's that's old. It's lame. It's uh, it's it's definitely overused. Yeah, I agree. Now, if you're going to tell me that he's a great passer, I think that's probably going too far the other way. He's a good enough passer. He just has a elite trait that can make up for some of that. Right. And, you know, that's not like he he can't get better. And, yeah, he's had a couple good games this year. I need to see it a little bit more consistently before I'm ready to start calling him a great passer. But I agree. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the Colts because we skipped over the Colts defensive line. Uh, Quiddy yes. pay was a guy that was on a lot of bills fans radar in yeah. this past draft. You know, I'm sensing there's a lot of disappointment coming out of Colts fans with Quiddy, Quiddy pay right now. Uh, I, I think that like, just, I wouldn't necessarily say disappointment, uh, growing pains. I, I, I think growing pains is the more appropriate, uh, phrasing there. He has gotten a lot better. He, even if he's not getting the stats as far as sacks and stuff goes, he's taking he's taking blockers away. Um, him and that Deo Odiengbo, I probably didn't pronounce that right, who we weren't even expecting to play this year. Those two are kind of growing together. Um, I, I'm 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 pretty thrilled with how the defensive line has 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 you know grown uh, and has been working together. It's it's just been a gelling period that has been. Uh, you don't ever want to have to see that in the middle of the season or, you know, I know we're halfway point now, but we've kind of had to witness it. And, uh, but it, it has come a long way. It has definitely come a long way, uh, over the last nine, 10 weeks. Well, you pair those two up with 
the prize of that defensive line over from a trade with the 49ers, DeForest yeah. Buckner. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about him this far in his Colts career? This year has definitely been underwhelming, but when you look at the film and uh, you see, he's never, I don't think he's ever faced this many double teams ever. He actually straight up said that he's never been double teamed as much as he has been this year. And it's understandably so with a dude's a, uh, he's, I'm not going to sit here and say he's Aaron Donald, but he has an Aaron Donald like presence as far as this Colts offensive line where he's going to draw a lot of attention and you know, that could be a good thing for the linebackers. It could be a bad thing. Uh, linebackers, DNs, all that jazz. So, um, but I, I think as far as, like I said, it, stats are great and I love looking at stats, but as far as what he's been able to do, um, I'm happy in that regard. I, I'm definitely happy in that regard. He's, you know, offenses are willing to commit two people on him, uh, which definitely opens things up for like a Darius Leonard who loves punching the ball out. Who can, you know, uh, he's been great at the turnovers. He's, he's all over the field. He's getting healthier too. You know, uh, you always love to see the sacks, the tackles, all that jazz. But I think uh, Buckner has 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 been decent this year in uh, in in, in one and what he's been able to do. So outside of Darius Leonard, by the way, what a great find in the second round. Uh, I, (laughs) I'm not going to mention the middle linebacker for the Buffalo bills because there's a lot of strong opinions on him one way or the other, but (laughs) I'm just going to say that we traded up to get him and you guys just basically let Darius come to you. (laughs) Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. (laughs) And by the way, I, I'm, I'm interested in your opinion because EJ speed seems to be on the field a lot. Technically he's a backup line. What a great line, name for a linebacker, by the way. But I, when I catch EJ speed on the field, I feel like he makes plays. He, he has, I haven't have been hearing his name pop up quite a bit. I've been very, very happy with his usage uh, this year. Again, defensive depth. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any Joe Schmoke can name can name some of the Colts, you know, starters, but uh, speed has been a very nice addition uh, for speed has been, has done his duty uh, as far as I'm concerned. And, I, and I'm relatively happy with, with, with his uh, production. So I guess overall, I mean, Darius Leonard is leading the, the group and obviously the name recognition for that linebacker pack uh, of the Colts. But how do you feel overall as a group about your linebackers? Mixed. Uh, I think outside of Darius Leonard, they can all. There, there's, there's, there's definitely room for improvement. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe it's because Leonard is that good, where everything else around him just seems that bad. Kind of one of those things. But it's it, it that linebacker core. It, it, it runs through Leonard, as far as production goes. The other guy, you know, the other guys, you, you only hear their name up pop, you know, name pop up every now and then. Not as consistent as they could be. Okay. Um, is there a position group that we haven't talked? We haven't talked about the Colts running backs, but do we really need to? Uh, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, Naheem Hines. I've he's been on my radar for a couple of years, even before I think he became a real household name, if he really yeah. is one. He's a, a smaller, quicker back, and I feel like he's he's a guy to keep an eye on. I think for the Bills specifically. But then you have Marlon Mack, who was a great running. Well, he was he was a fine running back. He didn't really excel at anything, but it felt like to me he was pretty good at everything. Well rounded, old school, uh, all the way down the depth chart. He's like not even he's an afterthought now. 
right. He, I think he's three. There were actually trade talks about him uh, this, this through most of this year. They did re-sign him in the offseason. He, he tore his Achilles last year in week one, and uh, they did re-sign him this year to a $2 million contract. He has been pretty good out there um, when they when they call on him. But there's been a, some games where he's been a healthy scratch. But as far as a depth chart goes, I, I love the, uh, the Colts depth chart where it is. Hines, they just extended him, I think, three years, $18 million, I think. Uh, and he's really had on and off weird usage but he uh he had a really good day against the jets a couple thursdays ago and i uh, did pretty well in that regard i'm very happy where the depth is at running backs i think that's been one of the things that that ballard has done a good job of investing in whether it be extensions or drafting or just keeping people in play we just got rid of jordan wilkins uh we cut him jordan wilkins has been like rb three or four over the you know since the andrew luck era and really, really good third down back, short yardage back, and uh, there's just no room for you know they just they 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 cut him, anticipating a big contract extension coming up, um, but he's been talented. He's been pretty good. So, I you you may or may not be <laughs> familiar with this, and maybe you are because you live in Buffalo. But in Bills Mafia, there was a whole thing about drafting a first round running back to go Oof. along with the rest of this offense. And Jonathan Taylor was a guy I wanted, but not necessarily in the first round. Right. But, and, and that was last year anyway, but the Colts have built a running back roster and there's a lot of really good parts there, but are they spending too much attention to uh, maybe a position that's kind of easy to replace? You know, it's, it's easy to replaceable. I think that is, that is fair. I think in this day and age, you it's hard to not pay guys who are good pass catchers as far as the running back position goes. There's uh, there's no doubt about it. And I'm like terrified of what Jonathan Taylor's asking price is going to be once uh, it's, it's extension time for him. Uh, I was surprised by the Heinz extension. I was happy it happened. Maybe not for that price tag, but I was happy it happened. Um, but I think that's an interesting, it is a, it, it's a fascinating point. You know, we, we've had, I think Ballard's mentality might be is that, listen, the Colts running back situation has not been great in a long time. You know, ever since Edge left, I think we had, oh, God. I can't even remember who his name was. Uh, he was the Colts running back in the Super Bowl run. Oh, boy. Uh, but, it, I mean, again, that there, there's your case in point. It's been largely forgettable, right? We took Frank Gore, and Frank Gore didn't even have a 1,000-yard rushing season. And it's so important for the passing game you know, for, for this team, which we're starting to get, you know, that, that's been a big thing right now. We want to be able to pet, throw the ball deep. That's something that Carson Wentz is not terrible at, you know, but you invest in good running backs. That sort of thing kind of opens up. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. It, you know, Bill Polian used to hate giving running backs. a. I think it was a second uh, extension. I think that was his mentality with it. He's cool with the first one after the second one. Not so much. Um, but uh, but it, it is a great point. It is a great point. I, I'm not sure where the Heinz contract is going to lead. He's like I said, he's been largely underwhelming this year. So um, so I'm I'm not sure what the what the plan is with that. Yeah, in, in flipping over to the Bills running backs, there's a lot of noise. Everybody wants something different. It seems like um, we have invested two third round picks in Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. We have Matt Breida, who is inactive most weeks. 
basically riding the pine. Yeah. Uh, and we have Antonio Williams who had one good game against the Miami Dolphins last year. And uh, everybody thinks he's the next coming of being a, a great Bills running back. I see a lot of people calling for Christian Wade too. I've seen that on Twitter a whole bunch. I, I'm not sure when that's going to go away, but people still clamor for Christian Wade. He's like 31 years old. And I, that ship is gone. That ship right. is gone. But I'm personally, I am a Devin Singletary fan. I think he's the better of our running backs. I think the eyeball test would confirm that to anybody that really wants to without bias. I don't think he's necessarily a feature back. He needs to split carries, I think. But I love Devin Singletary. Not big on Moss. Um, I'm yeah, the opposite of you, respectively. respectively. I, I think there are people who have different opinions of me on Moss. I think the eyeball test, he's supposed to be a business first back, and I don't see that a lot from him. I see a lot of times where he's holding up and letting the linebacker hit him as opposed to me hitting you. <laughs> um, and that's not to say he's terrible. I just I think he's getting a little too much credit. So um, Antonio Williams you know, any team in the league could have had him and still can right now if they think he's this great superstar and waiting and nobody seems to want to pick him up. Um, you know, he's, he had a great game and that's amazing. And I'm not at all rooting against him, but I think realistically speaking, he's not a threat. Uh, Matt Breida, I'm just super interested in because I believe we signed him because he had a dimension that the other two backs didn't have, which was speed. We do not care about that at all. Apparently. Clearly not. I mean, is that like a Dable thing? Is it a McDermott thing? I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I will, I think, I mean, the, I think feel like the bills offense would be so much better if, if they, I mean, if they really went all in on these running backs, you know, I, I think that's been a big criticism this year is that last year, Buffalo got away with eh, mediocre running back play. And this year it's, 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 it's not working. Like Josh isn't even as run, running as much as he used to. And the running backs just cannot get going. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of spell and doom for the entire offense. Yeah, I, I think the – yeah, I, you're kind of right. I, I'm not saying that I want to run even 50%, even 40% oh, of the time. Not. Right, right, right. But I think having Josh Allen back there, who is so mobile and can make plays off script so well, better than most players in the league. There's Maybe you want to compare him to a Patrick Mahomes, and I think that's probably fair. But he having him there takes away a lot of the criticism that you might be having with this offensive line. If you had, I don't know, uh, maybe a less mobile quarterback in there. Maybe if you had a Mac Jones or something. Oh, uh, I agree. I, I, I think that Josh, Josh's running ability made the offensive line look better last year. And that's why I, I mean, honestly, like I said, he had, he, he takes most of his snaps under shotgun. For, I mean, I don't have the stat in front of me, but visually the eye test, um, I don't see him just directly under center all that much. He's he's got to create his own pockets and 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 kind of make things happen. That, that's been the story of most of his career. But um, but you're 100 right. You're you're 100 right on that. If he was a stationary, just classic pocket passer, oh man, Buffalo would be in a world of trouble right now. Yeah. So, Matt, <laughs> I have I, I at the beginning of the year I was looking at this Colts game and I thought. That's a pretty solid win for us. The way the last few weeks have played out, even some of our wins have been kind of underwhelming as this game gets closer. I still think it's a Bills win, but I'm a little nervous about it. I'm not going to lie. How are you feeling? Uh, I mean, spiritually, I think I need a Colts win here. You know, based on last year, I, I just rewatched the playoff game from last year. I'm like, my God, we were so close. Um, You know, anything, if it's by, you know, if it's a blowout, 
it's not a good indication as far as what the Colts have done. Uh, I think they can keep it close. I'm definitely still leaning towards the Bills um, as, as being the the winners here. Um, but I, I do think that this offense is a lot better than it was last year. I really do. Uh, defensively, I, I, I'm scared because, listen, Josh Allen, the, the, the deep ball threat, it's an easy pick apart against the Colts. So I think, it, I think it could be a shootout. I, I really truly do. And of course I'm praying, I'm hoping uh, that my Colts win. They definitely need you to keep their playoff aspiration alive. But, uh, but right now on paper, Buffalo is kind of the clear cut, uh, clear cut favorite. They're a more well-rounded team. Well, I still think the Colts are scary. I, I am eating a little humble pie after all my chest pounding about the playoff game last year, <laughs> even though we won, it didn't go. It was like, Ooh, it shouldn't have been that bad that way. But, right. um, I, the Colts probably are out of the division race. I mean, they're not, they're four games back essentially. And yeah. it's, that's done, yeah. Yeah. but they're going to get a wild card spot. I'm firmly believing that. And I think they could go on a little run. They could probably make the playoffs with something like six wins. I don't think that's a team anybody wants to see in the playoffs. Right. And that's that's where I'm holding out hope. I mean, listen, the AFC is absolutely crazy right now. I think, what, 11 or 12 of the teams are like 500 or better? Yeah. You might uh, make it with seven. With seven losses, I mean. With seven right. losses. Yeah. yeah t- 10 and seven, I think, is is certainly a possibility. But their big thing is, and he's got to play up. And a uh, big criticism of mine, from, from me, of like Frank Reich, has been able to finish games, right? Play calling. They were close to the Rams. They blew the lead against the Ravens, which, you know, it, it hurt even worse watching Miami beat that Ravens team, that, that Monday night loss. Uh, you know, they were they were up two or three, I think two touchdowns at one point to Tennessee, and the momentum just shifted. Uh, got to be able to finish games, and you got to be able to play up and beat good teams. I'm at the point now as a Colts fan where just getting in the playoffs isn't good enough. I mean, of course, I want them to be in there, to be in the mix, to have the opportunity to do something, but... I need playoff wins. I need divisional titles. And of course, we're not, we're probably not going to get that this year, but I need significant victories. And, you know, uh, for the Colts, this, this Bills game is a, you know, it's a, it's just, it's another opportunity to kind of showcase how good this team can be. Matt, when you were getting playoff victories with Peyton Manning and going to the AFC, <laughs> the Bills fans I were was spoiled. I know. <laughs> I we know. were out here just wishing for to get into the playoffs. <laughs> you know, I we're, know. We're throwing out JP Lossman, EJ Manuel, Kyle Orton, and you're just like, yeah, we got Peyton. What are you going to do? Right. <laughs> I was getting picked on all the time, though. Like be, going to school up here, being a Colts fan, I, I get made fun of by Bills fans for getting knocked out of the playoffs by Tom Brady every single year. But I'm just like, y'all couldn't even, you know, not to be disrespectful, but I got to clap back a little bit. You know, like Tom Brady kind of kept you guys out of the playoffs a little bit. So, I've had my fair share of criticisms being a Colts fan, um, and understandably so. But I listen. I completely get where you're coming from. We, I have been spoiled. Uh, it's just been a long time since I've been like confident heading in, like completely confident heading into a season. So just just a little little something, little taste of something would be a uh, nice gratification. But I am happy for the Bills. I am happy for Bills Mafia. Um, it, trust me, it's been a long time. It's been way overdue uh, all the success that they've had over the la- under the McDermott era. So. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that momentum keeps up. Yeah, I'm I'm scared that we fail to meet expectations. The expectations are sky high last year because we made the AFC championship game. Did we overachieve last year? I think we did a little bit. But now we've got the expectations set a little higher. I think that even like just getting out of the first round or losing in the first round, we're gonna 
we're going to be lighting everything on fire and Bill's mafia is going to be fighting with each other, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't looking good after that Jags game. Oh, uh, they were going after the throw. Oh, the season's over. Oh, this, oh, I'm like, Oh, y'all, y'all need to chill out. Bill's mafia. You got a good team. All right. I know you've had three lot two. you know, one of them was to a very good Tennessee Titans team. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh one stings. Pittsburgh's good now. Pittsburgh's good. They're winning. They're winning games somehow, some way. They're winning gritty football. Um, so it, it has to feel a little bit better. But I understand the pain of the Jags one. But listen, the AFC is still up for everybody. I know Tennessee's still winning games without Derrick Henry. They are the number one team right now. But I think this has been the most intrigued I've been in the AFC in a long time. As far as there's been not been one clear cut number one. Yes, yes. Uh, because my entire adult life, it's been Brady or Roethlisberger, pretty much. There's a couple Flacco years. Yeah. But so you, but you know, going into the playoffs, like there's one dominant team. And I was like, oh no, I'm not ready for a Chiefs dynasty. I just got out of the Patriots one. Like, yeah. let's pull the, let's pull, let's pull it back a little bit. Dynasties. Now I'm, I'm upset because it. it's not my team because I wanted to be the dynasty. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but I am. I, it does make it more interesting because I feel like I just feel like playoff games are going to be more interesting this year. No, first it's got to be close, and I'm glad it. I'm kind of glad it's happening that way. We had a really good free agency period, where I mean, every team spent a lot of money on a lot of very good players, and it's 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 showing up. I mean, geez, who would have thought that Denver and the Raiders would be as good as they are? And, and and some of these other, you know, just teams, Cincinnati, for example, is, is still in the mix. I don't think they make the playoffs, um, but I mean, all these teams are just just neck and neck right there. And that's uh, the toughest division in football right now, I think. Uh, the, the West, the AFC North. Oh, the North. Yes, I would. Yeah. I would dare say so. Yeah, I would dare say so. They're, they're pretty they're pretty neck and neck and somebody's going to get their heart broken, you know, come week towards that last quarter of the season. All right, Matt, you got anything else for me? Uh, as far as this game goes, uh, I don't. But uh, if I could have a opportunity to plug my stuff, I'd uh, I'd certainly love to. I am the uh, uh, the I run the network. We call it the network, uh, formerly known as the BICBP Radio Network. Uh, it's a network of all sorts of podcasters. We have forty to fifty shows on our network right now, and uh, very very proud of that. So if you are interested in, we, we have podcasts for everyone. That is our claim to fame. Uh, B-I-C-B-P. I know it's a mouthful. Uh, B-I-C-B-P-radio.com. You can go find our website. I myself host like six or seven podcasts. I'm in way over my head. But uh, if you want to hear me talk football on a religious basis, the two-point conversation uh, is my, that's my baby. We run six days a week, every single week, something, a different theme every day. And uh, if you want to hear my partner say a lot of bad things about Bill's fans, uh, but me kind of playing the middle, uh, Colts fans in Bill's land. That's that's another football show that I do. So um, that is every Tuesday, every single Tuesday. Wow, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I it's, I put a lot of work into doing this one show one time a week, and hearing you say that, I'm like, wow, it's exhausting. It's it's exhausting. Yeah, we do we do film room study, we do weekly recaps, discussion topics, weekly picks. Uh, NFL history, and then our Saturday episodes are uh, we do a fantasy football one. So, um, literally, I mean, if you don't like one thing that we do, there's at least another thing that you know we like. That's the way we like to keep it. So, okay, I want the Bills Mafia to follow Matt because you know it's good sometimes just to have 
uh, friends in, in enemy territory, or I Absolutely. guess he's not really, I guess it's the reverse of that maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you tell us where we can follow you? Yes. Uh, Maverick MM nine one on Twitter. Uh, that's, that's my personal, uh, that's my personal Twitter account. Um, always trying to share the love. I, I you know, I, I, obviously I'm a Colts fan first and foremost, but I, I can get behind any player, uh, any, any player, any team, I can find a reason to root for him. So, um, so, so yeah. And of course I, all my podcasts are, have a Facebook page, uh, two point conversation has a Facebook page, very interactive with that. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of it. Okay. There you go. Matt, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. Uh, really appreciate it. Looking forward to the Colts game with a little bit of anxiety. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. This is wonderful to kind of talk to you, get to know you a little bit. And, uh, man, you're, you're, you're a great host. You're a great host. I know, I know you probably don't need me to tell you that, but, uh, this is a very fun, meaningful conversation. I've had a lot of bad conversations with Bills fans, um, over podcast this is probably one of my favorite ones so thank you for that well i appreciate that very much i i know i know what you're saying i you try to like mix it up with some folks and they feel like you're just gonna want to trade punches or talk trash eh, that's not my style i, I want to know what you think about the team and i can i'm not either i'm a i'm absolutely i listen i'm a big follower of good morning football and i try to model my my own football takes after how that show operates so um it's done me well so far All right, Matt, thank you so much. Once again, enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Absolutely. You as well. Go Bills. fun game for y'all today it's called is it real or is it silly silly adjective laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance is that for real is it real silliness okay is it real wow silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly Ladies and gentlemen of Bills Mafia, it is that time of the week again where I am joined by Justin Goddard over from the Wandering Buffalo. He joins me every week because he needs to carry my sorry ass in this segment. Justin, how are you? Oh, my back's a little sore from carrying events. <laughs> I know, I know, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Do what I can. I'm doing pretty good tonight. We've uh, We've employed the 24-hour rule, so we are moving on from the Jaguars, and we are looking forward to the Jets. Um, so hoping for a, a better outcome this week. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm over it. I'm not angry. I'm not upset over it anymore, but I'm, I would be lying if I told you I still don't feel some lingering effects from it. It's still something there. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's definitely a time in my life where uh, 
a loss like that would have ruined my whole week. But as I get older and like to think I'm a bit more more mature, uh, you got to kind of realize that it doesn't have any direct correlation on my life. It's just something I really enjoy on Sundays, and I like I like to keep it keep it to that. Yeah, I wish I was that mature, but I am not. I am not. <laughs> I take it a little too seriously. Um, I mean, not too seriously. I don't, but I, I, it affects me for a few hours after a loss like that. I, I don't get over it as quickly as I should because I'm an emotionally, I'm an emotional child, Justin. Hey, I, as long as you're not breaking TVs on Sundays, we can live with that. No, the last thing I ever want, I'd be so embarrassed if I was one of those guys that showed up in one of those YouTube videos or something where they, they smashed the television and stuff. You'd be like, whoa, dude, you need to try the decaf. Especially when you're watching it at, at B-dubs and you start smashing their TVs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd run out of places to watch the game real quick. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get started. Justin Goddard, this week we saw, this past week, we saw Stefan Diggs not get the targets that he's used to getting. His stats are just a bit down from where he was last year. I think we probably could have expected that to some degree. But a lot of Bills fans are mad he didn't get targets last week. So, question is. Question one. Diggs is going to get to 100, year, 100 yards against the Jets. Is that real or silly? Um, so I'm going to say this is real, real, and it's kind of wishful thinking on my part. Um, I'm kind of just hoping that they can calculate the kind of effect that Stefan Diggs can have on a game and just kind of start force feeding him the ball a little bit more. I mean, you have a guy like that on your team. You should be squeezing in 10, 12 targets a game. Easy. Um, I understand, you know, defenses scheme to take him away and whatnot but we've seen him time and time again beat double coverages and i think the jets for as good of a defense as they've kind of put together um it's stronger on the the front end than the back end so i think there's definitely going to be opportunities um where my concern lies that he may fall short of that mark really doesn't have anything to do with him or josh it's kind of what the offensive line is going to do in front of Josh. And if he's going to have the time to get some of those deeper routes, or if we're going to have to chip away at this all game with, you know, quick slants and screen passes and things like that. So I do think he gets there with, uh, with a pretty mediocre jet secondary. They got their two starting safeties are both going to be out. Um, so I think there's going to be opportunities and I think, I think he gets there. I wasn't aware that Marcus May was out. That's interesting. Marcus May was just lost for the year. Um, he tore his Achilles. Oh, wow. That is a big loss. Yeah. They do still have a good defensive line. So I give them some credit there. Uh, I think uh, one of their starting cornerbacks has left the team from last year, and it doesn't really matter, I don't think. I know it was a bad week. Last week was a bad week. The offensive line was terrible. It's not going to be that bad every single week for the rest of the year. I don't care which combination you put out there. So I think, yes, that's an opportunity for a get right game. I think Josh is going to come out on fire. I think the lines are going to get, they're going to get chewed out this week and they're going to have to go over a lot of things, but I think Diggs is going to get there. They're going to manufacture some touches for him if they need to, because you want to keep him happy. And, you know, honestly, 
I don't mind if they take turns having a number one wide receiver. I don't mind if it's Beasley one week and Sanders another week and Diggs this week. We've kind of been doing that a little bit this year anyway. I don't mind as long as we get the win. I truly don't think Diggs minds either as long as he's not completely forgotten. But I think this is the week where he gets to that 100-yard mark. Yeah, and for me, I think we started seeing it a little bit in the second half of the Jacksonville game. Um, where we were kind of like forcing touches to Diggs, you know, knowing that he can be a spark plug for the team. And even if it's something as small as like a tunnel screen at the line of scrimmage and and let him go from there. Um, I think he's just somebody that's so valuable to what the team does that if you have to force a few more balls into his hands, then you do it. And, and I agree with you. I, I don't dislike the, the target share being spread around. Um, I think that's something you can do week to week. Um, just based on what the defense is giving you. I think we stacked our team with receivers and Dawson Knox emerging. Um, so you can be able to do that and take advantage of mismatches. Um, but when, when you're in a game that's locked tight like that and whatever your game plan was going in that Diggs wasn't really a factor into it, if that game plan's not working in the first half, you pivot and you start forcing them the ball a little bit, I think. Um, so... For me, I'd like to see that. Um, it sounds like the the offensive line has a possibility of getting a little healthier this week. Um, McDermott saying that Brown will be practicing tomorrow or Wednesday by the time this comes out. We'll probably know if he's going to be playing or not. Um, and I think we talked about this previously, just being able to pinpoint where your one weak spot is on the line is a lot better than having guys shuffled all over. So if it's Botker back out there, you know, I think he's he's okay enough that you can cover up some of his gaps, but when you start flip-flopping people everywhere, you got Cody Ford out there trying to figure out where he is. Uh, I think just the addition of Spencer Brown back in has an immediate impact on the whole offense and could really free up some of the passing game. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, you and I were talking before we started recording, but Josh was not good this week. And yes, a lot of that blame goes on the offensive line. And a lot of it does go to Josh, but considering everything he had to put up with, Josh played pretty well. So if there's any improvement at all, we can get back to earlier this year confidence level or like last year confidence level because it's essentially the same starting. It's the same players, it's the same cast pretty much with the addition of Spencer Brown, I guess that we've had around since last year. So I don't expect every game to be this bad and I'm not at all in panic mode over that. So I'm excited to get back on track. I agree. All right. Question number two. Question two. Justin, the bills are out of the driver's seat for the number one overall seed in the AFC. Is that real or silly? Uh, this one's kind of tough for me right now because I, I am, as much as I'm not still kind of shaken from, from the Jaguars game, it did kind of put the perspective back into it that, you know, when I look at the schedule and, you know, we have this quote unquote easy schedule and all these games that in my head were penciled in as wins you know, it makes me start looking at looking twice at some of the other teams coming up. Um, that being said, I would say that the bills still are in the driver's seat. Um, 
a bunch of silliness. I think at this point they don't have a stranglehold on it like they could or should have. Um, but with a team like the Chiefs being down and it's not like they're coming up to to take the number one seed right now. Uh, I think I think you could make an argument for the Titans, um, but without Derrick Henry, that really changes the complexion of what they want to do. And I just don't think Tannehill is elite enough to do it without that elite run game. Um, so the only other person that I would say is really cruising towards challenging us for that one seed, I would I'd give it to the Ravens right now. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson is kind of having an underrated season, um, which is kind of weird to say for how much you hear about him. Um, but he's not just going out there doing everything with his legs. He he does seem to have taken a step forward as a passer. Um, and everything they've gone through, especially injury-wise already this season, to to come out of all that and be in the position they're in right now, I, I'd have to say that they're probably the biggest threat in my mind for the one seed. But overall, I think the Bills roster is – it's still the most talented and experienced and well put together team in the AFC. Um, so I would say that they are still in the driver's seat right now, but not as in strong of a position as before. This is a tough one because I can build an internal argument for this either way. I would have agreed. I'm going to say silly, but I would have agreed with you. I think this Jaguars loss the loss itself hurts not necessarily because it's Jacksonville, but just having that extra L uh, of course, because it's Jacksonville does add an extra element to that too. But for every loss, a team like the bills take a team like Cincinnati takes a team like San Diego takes. That means that every loss that the, the chiefs have becomes less uh, it, it becomes less magnified, meaning they're getting back into it. Right. So we could very well see a year where uh, an AFC number one overall seed has five losses, goes 12 and five. I think it's likely at this point. And maybe, maybe even more than that, maybe six, but I'll, I'll say five. So I, th- I think it's getting the top is very muddled. And of course, we own the tiebreaker with the sheep. So that, you know, there's that to consider too. But let's talk about the Colts. Um, they're probably not going to be in the competition for AFC. So let me, let me back off that. Cause I think they're, the division's almost wrapped up. They have a four game uh, deficit right now with the two losses. Uh, you mentioned the Titans, uh, Titans in the long hold. How much more do they need to do to get the, the one seed? Because they have beaten a lot of other good teams. They beat the Colts twice. They beat the chiefs. They beat us. Um, you know, they have a lot of the good tiebreakers there. So they're somebody that could keep their eyes on. They don't necessarily need to be week two, week three Titans. They can maybe limp wrong and still end up with that. I think, uh, not completely unlike the Steelers last year. I know the Steelers fell out of it, but for the sake of argument, let's just say they're still in it. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think the AFC is very muddled right now. We have some disappointing tiebreakers that are going against us right now. So I, I'm going to say false. Yeah. So it's hard to kind of disagree with your points there. So I I think mine's still a little bit more cautious optimism um, and remembering what the team was last year. Um, But 
what I think is really interesting about the AFC this year is I thought there was going to be a lot of competition. I guess I thought there was going to be a lot more disparity across the conference, um, having, you know, three, four five teams that could be up there talking about the one seed and finishing the season with two, three losses and, you know, maybe going 14 and three and not even getting the one seed. And I was, I was thinking about, you know, like the Browns, the chiefs, the bills, um, maybe the Ravens or the Titans. I was expecting all of those teams to kind of be up there with two, three, maybe four losses. And we've seen it kind of all across the AFC you know, the Titans losing a game to the Jets, the Bills losing a game to the Jaguars, um, the Chiefs losing games that we didn't expect. So I think it's kind of interesting that we're going to kind of have the same battle for that, for those top seeds that I thought we were going to have, but kind of in a very different way. Well, even look at the schedule that we have ahead of us. You know, we still have the Bucks. Uh, I don't think the Pats are as much of a pushover as I, I never really thought they were a true pushover. I thought they were very winnable games that were maybe sneaky dangerous. And I want to upgrade them from whatever that upgrade is right now. You know, they, I'd rather get the first game against them under our belt. So the second one means so much less, but they're playing good teams. Really tough. We have, I think I heard today the Falcons are the first place in their division. That is ridiculous. I don't think they're that good, but maybe something to keep an eye on. Uh, we have the Colts. The Colts are dangerous. Now, they're not going to win the division. They had a really tough start, but that's a game that we could potentially – there's a lot of potentially losable games coming up on the schedule. And I don't see a lot of cupcakes, and I and, you know, I guess point to this last weekend, I don't think anything's a cupcake for us at this point, but – um, we'll still be right there, but it's, I, I have a hard time saying we're the driver's seat. Yeah. And what's weird about that too, is we still have, you know, on paper, one of the easier strengths of schedule left. And when you start looking at some of these games, uh, you mentioned the Colts. I think the Colts are a, a nightmare matchup for us. Jonathan Taylor's just on an absolute freaking tear right now. And that's the type of player that, you know, no matter how hard you try, if you have a great run defense, you're going to struggle to limit. And I don't think we really have a top flight run defense still. Um, so a guy like that scares me a lot. You got, we have the saints in there. Um, you know, for what it's worth, I saw them go out and win a game with Trevor Simeon after they lose Jameis Winston. So, you know what? I think, I think you talked me off my, uh, my pedestal here. I, I think you might be right. I think that might be silly that we're in the driver's seat. Well, I don't want, well, I don't feel good about that. Now you made me feel terrible. <laughs> You're the measured one today, I guess. All right. Last question. Question three. Justin Goddard, we watched one of the worst football games I've ever seen this past weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the number one reason for that is just really poor offensive line play. All five, really. Maybe Mitch Morse was the best, but they were just terrible everywhere. But guard play specifically this year has been an issue for us. And I 
I want to say Jamil Douglas gets a start sometime this year on the Bills. Is that real or silly? Um, so I'm going to say that silly. A bunch of silliness. And I'm saying that barring injury. Um, you know, if injuries happen and somebody has to get called up, um, that's a different uh, scenario that I'd have to revisit. Um, but right now, I guess it's kind of hopeful too. Um, but I'm hoping to get Spencer Brown back, um, be able to kick him back into, or be able to kick Daryl Williams back into guard. Um, and then you're mostly looking at the left guard spot. And that's kind of been a, a struggle spot for us for a while. Um, he, you know, we're having problems at the position if we're really missing Feliciano right now. Right. Um, but I think just a combination of maybe we see more Butker, um, maybe maybe we see Bates before we see Douglas. Um, but what I think the most realistic situation is, is I think you end up seeing Cody Ford back out there before Jamil Douglas. And I don't love that, but we have seen Bean really stand by his picks and almost to a fault in some situations, but... I just think that Cody Ford, they have this belief that he hasn't gotten the the proper opportunity and, you know, he got benched this year, but he's still coming in off the bench when they, when they need a player in there. So I think a lot has to go, a lot has to go more severely wrong than what happened this weekend before, before we see a guy like Jamil Douglas. I I want to be able to credit where I saw this, but I can't do it. So I apologize. But somebody, I guess if I'm inferring things correctly, yeah, John Feliciano is not very good really run blocking or pass blocking. I don't think he's the worst one in the starting lineup, but why we miss him and where his value is, is because he is smart and heady. Now he might try to engage you and he might give up ground and he might not be very good at, but at least he's at least getting in the way, which is more than we can say for Cody Ford. But is there a point in time where you want to see what else you have on your roster? And maybe you don't want to play with that too much when you're supposedly in the middle of the Super Bowl run. Uh, Ike Bodker, I, I was a big forward of Ike Bodker last year. I thought I wanted to see him more than I wanted to see Feliciano. Uh, he got some action. I not, I don't think he was in last week, but he was in the week before and I, he just didn't look good. And, you know, we have Ryan Bates, who everybody seems to love, but never can find his way on the field. So is he there just like as a, what, just in case everybody else is inactive that will get him in there. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. If we really love that guy, we're not letting him play. If he's a super backup that, I don't know. Um, so is there a point where Bean looks around and he thinks, you know what, we got to at least give him a shot because we, we want to get better. And, and maybe if he's just average, that's an improvement. I don't want, I I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. I don't feel strongly about it, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes. If only because sometimes we just got to see where he's at. Yeah. To your point, I, so coming up in this, in this upcoming off season, we're going to have, um, I believe Botker's a restricted free agent. Um, I think Morse is in there too. And then we're going to have to make the decision on Cody Ford, which should be pretty easy. 
Um, so, I, I mean, it might be worth a chance to, to get a look at the guy. Um, but to me, to me in the Super Bowl run that we're supposed to be in, kind of to your point, I, I just don't really feel like it's the time to be trotting a guy out there for some game action to see what he's got. I think you got to figure out what your best play is at that position and go with it. And unfortunately for this spot right now, I don't think there's really a good answer on the roster. Um, You can't really do too much more positional shifting to try to get a best five out there. I think you're kind of locked in, especially being past the trade deadline now that the players you have are the players you have, and you have to figure out how to make it work. And Again, like I said earlier, I think if if you know that your weak link on the line is the left guard, you know you can kind of game plan around that and and know that that's where your weakness is and do whatever you can chip a running back, um, swing a double team that way. You can kind of make up for one weak link. I think the problem with this past game with Jacksonville is we had to start shuffling people. You had two weak links right up the middle, so you know. Mitch can't really swing one way or the other to, to help out because they're both struggling. Um, so I think it, it's crazy to me that, you know, Spencer Brown only has what three games of action and how much I'm just dying for him to be back in the lineup because I don't think he's been, you know, great by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he's been pretty solid and reliable. Um, and, and even that little bit of extra steadiness, I think, helps out the rest of the line. We do have a bonus question this week. Ooh. Congratulations on making it all the way to the bonus round. Justin Goddard, Bobby Hart is a more valuable player than Cody Ford. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I'd say that's real right now. Real. And I hate to say it, I I had some level of optimism optimism for Ford going into this season, but every time I see him out there, I just I loved him when we drafted him. I was like, this is he's he's a mauler. He's got that angry temperament. Like he's gonna put people on their backsides. And it's not it's not even like I've seen ups and downs from him like that gives me a flash of hope. Like all the hope that I've had with Cody Ford was just based off of liking him coming out of college and his draft stock. And when I look back and I try to think of like any, you know, positive emotion that was like, Oh, we can carry this into the next game. He's got it going on. I just, I don't really have that like aha moment with Cody Ford and you know, to be fair, it doesn't really exist with Bobby Hart either. But at this point, to to kind of know that the franchise moved on from Cody Ford and and we could start healing from that and going forward, I think it would be more beneficial than than keeping them around. So I right now I would take Bobby Hart over Cody Ford. Well, we know Bobby Hart is really bad at one one spot. But with Cody Ford, he can be really bad at more than one spot. So he gives you much more nothing. You're not going to get – you get nothing out of Bobby Hart, but you'll get a lot more nothing out of Cody Ford. Zero I don't know. Zero is zero. <laughs> That's right. Uh, 
I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. It's almost like it, it's almost like I, I think that I, the lens I want to look at this question through is: Do I believe that Bobby Hart has untapped potential versus Cody Ford having untapped potential? And the answer is very minimal for Cody Ford, and I think it's zero for Hart. So I'm going to say Ford, but I'm not mad at going the other way either. So I, I, my answer was through a different lens. And <laughs> my lens was um, through the lens of knowing what you have in Bobby Hart and knowing that's not good enough. So it forces the hand of replacing him going forward versus the sliver of upside that you're talking about with Cody Ford and him sticking around trying to tap that potential. So similar answers, but, but mine is through the lens of, you know, kind of forcing their hand to, to admit that, you know, we missed on Cody Ford and move forward. Yeah. <sighs> oh, well, I guess we don't have to worry about it. Cause Bobby Hart is on the team. So, <laughs> but it was a fun discussion topic anyway. All right, Justin, you got anything else for me? Oh, I think that's it for this week. Um, hopefully we get together next week and we're uh, celebrating a, a win over the Jets versus a, a downer that we had this week. I don't want to think about what's going to happen if we lose. I uh, might not join you next week if we lose. <laughs> might need uh, might need to employ the 48-hour the rule on that one. Okay, okay. Well, we're, we're, we're coming up. We are at 40 hours past it, aren't we? Yeah. 72 hours. Yeah. 72 hour rule. <laughs> Hopefully we never have to cross that bridge. All right. Justin Goddard over from the Wandering Buffalo, which is out on Wednesdays and Thursdays right here on this very network, the Built in Buffalo podcast network. He's one half of that amazing team. I say it every week and I, I don't like giving false praise, but I really enjoy listening to those two. Uh, his partner in crime, Andrew, as well. So please check them out. Justin, thank you so much. Yeah, as always, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> Go Bills. Go Bills. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Bill's Mafia. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome back to the Mafia Hot Seat for the second time, one of my built-in brother, built-in Buffalo brothers, Izzy Monero, who is now a co-host on First Round Buy, which comes out on Fridays with Justice and Jake. Izzy, how you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. So, you know, been better. You know, this week was kind of a bad week for the Bills, but, you know, other than that, I'm doing pretty good. You were unfortunate enough to watch this disaster in person. Yes. 
So yes, I how, was. <laughs> how much did you drink to get through this? Or how much did you drink after the game to soothe your 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 shattered soul? Uh, honestly, I got drunk enough before and during the game to not have to worry about it. <laughs> well, maybe that's the only way you can get through it, I guess. But yeah, it was a it was a tailgate. It was pretty cool. Uh, Paul Pozasny was there. My man Dan Mitchell. Jake was around, but I didn't get to see him. I wish I did. Um, but no, it was it was a really good time. Had fun uh, before the game. Then went into the game, and I was you know halfway there. And then uh, we, me and my brother, each had three Blue Moon Tall Boys during the game, and that was about it. I had heard that, and you were there, so you could tell me if you remember. <laughs> uh, the stadium was about 50-50 or even 60-40 Bills fans. Yes, it was. It was a lot of Bills fans. And we still couldn't pull it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's over. It's just one game. It's behind us. It's not going to be like that all year, right? certainly can't be that bad. No, no, no. I think the injuries had a big toll on it. Josh was running for his life. Uh, let's just know that John Feliciano is not as bad as we thought he was. I know. We miss Feliciano. What kind yep. of weird, twisted, tw- Twilight Zone, unsolved mysteries kind of place is this? Where we're like, I really miss John Feliciano. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. I was sitting there in the game, and I was like, "Geez, the pressure came instantly." You know, it wasn't when Feliciano was in there. Granted, it came when Feliciano was in there, but it wasn't instant. And this was pretty rough. It was hard, it was hard to watch. Yeah, I think, I think I agree with this that the value for Felicia, he's not a great blocker and he does engage his blocker and he constantly gives up ground, but he at least knows where to be. And maybe that's, that's the difference. Yeah. I guess we'll got to give him that credit, but yeah, he, he knows, he knows, he knows his assignment. Uh, he doesn't do him great, but he does them. And, you know, every offensive line has, you know, that guy who's just, you know, he's all right. And that's John Feliciano. Yeah. I'm sorry, Felicia. I know I take back everything bad I've ever said about you. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't do that. But you know, just, <laughs> I realize the folly that that is there. Like, oh yeah, we'd be better off without him. No, we were not. Well, and we'll get started here in just a second. But I, I think this is a good conversation because I think a part of this criticism about Feliciano has to be laid on Brandon Bean. I think his idea of going into the season with the entire starting team come back was not a bad one. I didn't mind re-signing Feliciano, but what I wanted him to do was take this opportunity to try to improve other areas, including the offensive line, because we're basically trying to do it with the same group we did last year until Spencer Brown gets back. But instead he doubled up on tackles and defensive ends. And he just completely ignored that need from last year because the offensive line was not great last year. No, it wasn't great. It's still not great, but it's also not bad. It's it's kind of in between line, um, and they can get exposed by you know certain D lines, uh, and that you know Josh Allen for the Jags, man, he he really exposed us on that on that, on that uh, left side of our line, you know, just with with Feliciano being out, it was it was it definitely showed. Yeah, and Dawkins wasn't good, and that's not going to happen every week. You know, nah. Dawkins is a he's not an elite t- tackle, but he's pretty good. You know, I don't think you plug him in there. You don't normally have to worry. It's just, that's a blip on the radar. That's going to go away, but the interior line and, and even on the right tackle side, Darrell Williams is fine as a tackle. It wasn't his day. Uh, Spencer Brown's going to come back. I'm not worried about that. The interior and offensive line though has been bad since last year. Yeah. The only bright spot on the inside is Morse and you can't do it with just one guy. He can't be surrounded by trash. 
I am in the minority on Morse. I, I think he's fine. I think he's getting, there are people who want to defend him a little bit too much because he's so agile and he can pull and whatever, but mm-hmm. he sucks as a run blocker and yeah, he does he's, he's not, I mean, I know we paid him a lot of money to get him to come to Buffalo, but that's not a good return on investment. He's not that guy. No, no, this might be his last year. Uh, I'd say that this next coming draft is going to be heavy on the interior offensive line early. I sure, I sure hope so. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's uh, like one concussion away from hanging up his cleats for good anyway. Yeah, I'd say so. But, you know, he's he's been pretty good about it. So no, no damage yet. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get started, Izzy. I got the 10 questions in front of me. You are the first person to go this week. Which number would you like? Four. Four. Nobody ever picks four. Good on you, I guess. I'm different. (laughs) All right. This is a good segue into what we just talked about. Is you and I just talked about how last year, how Brandon Bean had spent his draft capital. He went heavy on the two defensive ends. We know all the money he put into the defensive line the year before with guys like Vernon Butler. He brought in Effie Obata. We were all thinking this defensive line was really primed to have a good year. And they've been able to take advantage of some lesser defensive lines and have some good games. But generally speaking, it's been largely absent. Even guys like Jerry Hughes. Our leading sackers right now are Groot and Mario Addison. Izzy, yep. does that concern you at all? <clears throat> Not really. Because um, we've been getting sacks from elsewhere. Jordan Poirier's got a sack. You know, Micah High is getting in there. Matt Milano's getting in there. Um, so I, I'm not really that concerned with it. They are still getting pressure. I'm surprised that Ed Oliver doesn't have a sack yet. You know, he, he's actually been getting in, in the backfield and being disruptive. So I, the defensive line is less of a concern for me, honestly. I think that they're playing, you know, just fine. We, we held the Jaguars to six. I mean, it's the Jaguars, but they've put up points on, you know, teams that were really good. They put up 20, what, 21 against the Bengals and you know, 24 against the Dolphins. You know, the, Teams that you know are out there that are that have decent lines, and they've been able to go out there and, and and play well against them, and they they couldn't against us. Granted, they still won the game, but that's more of an offensive issue. So, I, I think the D line is fine. Yeah, overall the def- the pass defense is excellent. I still yeah. think we're still first in pass yards and passing TDs against, and you know the defense overall as a as a unit is still very strong. Yes, but. Part of this league is knowing when to blitz, which quarterback to blitz, right? Because everybody gets ball rid of the ball so quickly that blitzing isn't always the best way that you want to attack a, a quarterback. Like Jacksonville was able to wreck our day with getting pressure with pretty much just four guys. And that's what Brandon Bean wanted to do to Patrick Mahomes. Now we beat Patrick Mahomes, but that Chiefs team is not really the same. It's not the same caliber as it was last year. So when you mention guys like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde getting sacks, and I think Teron Johnson might have one, yep. they're doing it because we're blitzing and we're bringing pressure. And that's, I don't think that's what he wants to do. I don't think the defensive line is getting home enough. And by the way, you're right about Ed Oliver. I think Ed Oliver, his contributions are not showing up on the stat sheet. Yeah. He's having a very startled to lay a year and stars got two sacks. So, you know, that's that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, they are part of a rotation, and we're probably not going to see a guy pile up 10, 12 sacks 
at the end of the year because they do rotate so much. But on the other hand, I don't feel like anybody's getting through as much as they need to. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if we see Hughes back next year. I, I really would. Um, I'm surprised we're not seeing more of Epinesa. I, I think the rotation is nice, but they, they need to tone it down a little bit. Let, let the guys who are going out there and really producing produce and then rotate in a little bit. I, I'd, I'd, I'd slow the rotation down some. I'd let your stars go in there and do what they got to do and then you know, bring Boogie in. and, and you know. Another one that's got to go is Vernon Butler. That guy's, yeah, he's not it. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't 100% certain his roster spot was safe, but they kept him around. Uh, and we're bringing Effie Obata. Effie was the star and the darling of the preseason, and it's preseason, right? So maybe we fall into that trap a little bit sometimes of the guy who's really flashy in the preseason. We expect that to continue over into the into the regular season, and it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, Boogie Basham, inactive all the time now. And I'm I don't know how you feel, Izzy. Well, first of all, I don't want to prime the pump or lead the witness, so to speak. You tell me what your thoughts are on Boogie. Um, I think that he's a little more raw than they expected him to be. Uh, they, I think most of us fans expected, you know, Rousseau to be more raw than Boogie is, but it appears Boogie's a little more raw. But Boogie's also a real big effort guy. So I, I, like, I like the fact that he, you know, is out there and he, every play you're going to get 100% from Boogie. So. I do appreciate and enjoy that. And I think that this season and next off season going into the season will help him a lot. Uh, I think that this off season that we just had helped him quite a bit and he's produced, you know, decently when he's in there. Um, I, I just don't understand sitting him for Vernon Butler. I don't, I don't understand that. That, that baffles me, but you know, I don't, I, I, well, who am I either? Right. I'm just a, dumb podcaster out in indiana but i don't like what i see from boogie like i you're right he's a try hard player he's a guy that's going to go from whistle to whistle and he's going to give you 100 percent of the effort out that he of the time that he's out there he's got a sack and a half but honestly it's not like he's beating his guy to get those sacks it's when the quarterback holds the ball that long and he's able to you know five six seven eight seconds then he finally gets there he's yeah. having a hard time getting off he feels like he's a lesser version of Shaq Lawson to me. I feel like he's mm-hmm. probably going to be really good against the run if we see him. Yeah. You know, and but does is that as valuable as Epineza? Or I don't think so. Or maybe even Effie Obata. I just don't think the value is there, especially right now if I was a second round pick. The, the the whole conversation right now is, well, we could have had Creed Humphrey. We could have, yeah. That would have been super. <laughs> I would have loved to have Creed Humphrey right now. Yeah. But uh, you know. Bean, loved, Bean, Bean really wanted to focus on that line, and, you know, he wanted to kick the Chiefs' butt, and we did. But, you know, they're not exactly a big dog anymore. There, there really isn't a big dog in the AFC right now anymore. You could argue the Ravens, but they're a game ahead of us. Um, and, you know, they've, they've had some stinkers too, so it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, normally the number one seed has got, well, two, three losses. This could be yep. a year where the number one seed comes up with four or five losses. Exactly, Maybe. and that's that's why I'm not really that worried about it. Yeah, but on the I think on the other hand, we have some disappointing tiebreakers. We if the Chiefs ever get back in contention, that's a tiebreaker. Well, we already beat them. Well, yep. we lost we to we lost to the Titans. Yep. Uh, we lost to Pittsburgh, who is suddenly looking good again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, 
two games against the Pats who are right on her ass and they're sneaky good. We're overlooking them. And I don't like Mac Jones, but I think I have to give them credit. Like they're playing good teams tough. They, yeah. they could very well beat us. And, and I'd like to get that first win the first time we play them under our belt. So the second time we play them, we're not putting everything on the line. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I think, I think, I think very little of Mac Jones now after that whole Burns incident. I didn't like that at all. Oh, that was dirty. That was super dirty. I didn't, I actually was like, you know, Mac Jones is looking pretty good. He's looking pretty good. And then he did that. And I was like, all right, that's pretty, pardon my French, but that's pretty shitty. You can't do that to people. I, Izzy, you and I are probably going to agree on this, but I, I am so baffled how the NFL can go back and look at and find people like a week later for plays that they made. And, you know, they, the referees are human and they're going to miss some stuff. And I, I completely 100% over, understand that. But they, you're telling me that the league isn't watching that and, you know, calling Belichick in because of a dirty cheating Patriots and, and they're not getting fined or something like that? Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, that it was, that was unacceptable. But you know, the Patriots. So what? What do you expect? That's what I expect. <laughs> that is exactly what. <laughs> and you know, I don't know. I feel like we talk about the the refs an awful lot, but I mean, they're giving us stuff to talk about. And they, I mean, ideally, we would never have to talk about the refs at all, but. When you got yeah. guys on, on Monday night national TV bumping into people on purpose and making up a taunting call just on the fly and having something out of thin air, that is um, it's concerning. And the NFL came out today and they stood by that. And I, I'm very disappointed in that. Yeah, me too. It's, it's tough to watch when you see that, especially when the refs are getting as much attention as they are. I, I don't like it at all. But you know what? Got to live with it. They're, they're, they're kind of being crappy to everybody. Their bad calls are pretty random. Like in, in all the Bills games, they're going to be like, well, they, they missed this call against us uh, or, you know, for in favor of us. But they also missed a couple, you know, against us that left out there. Well, they called some BS against us, but they also called some BS against them. So it's, it's almost like it's a, a moot point and like it's even suckage from the refs, but it shouldn't come down to that. It's, they, they should, we should have good refs. They're getting paid pretty well they, they're getting they got a raise a few years ago so this is easily i think one of the worst refereeing years i've seen in a while it's it's pretty gross yeah it, it is and it's not just the nfl i think it's in i think it's all levels of football honestly um i cover my college team on on the side podcast and uh two three weeks ago we scored on a blocked punt and they tried to give us two points. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know wow. what's going on. Like, you know, that's a six point touchdown. I don't know why you like, you just pulled it out of the air. But, Trying to give you a safety. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't understand, but it's, it's all over the place and I don't know how to fix it. But I thought today, maybe if instead of the taunting call, I knew from the moment they said it was going to be uh, an emphasis this year, that it was never going to be applied consistently. Tom yeah. Brady's not going to get that call and tom brady is a he's an offender yeah he is he likes to talk trash with the rest of them why wouldn't you maybe do a warning system i don't i don't know that 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 makes a lot more sense i think that way the player actually knows like okay i can't do that but now it's like 15 yards you can't do that you're like what the okay that was third and you know eight and now they get a first down 
you could kind of do it similar to unsportsmanlike conduct, you know, get a second one, you're out of the game. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know to just so that doesn't really completely solve the problem because it is so subjective, but I think it's one step closer than what it needs to be. Yeah. It's like they're getting back to the no fun league. You can dance after a touchdown, but you can't, you know, taunt after a play. It's the same thing. Let it go. Easy there refs. Yeah. Just, just let it go. These are, these are grown men playing a man's game. Uh, and if you can't handle it, then I guess don't play. Cause this is it, it, this what this game is about. It's about attitude. It's about physicality. It's about dominating your opponent. And if you know, if they can't go out there and talk a little junk while you know absolutely having car accidents every ten seconds, I don't know what they're doing. Literally, yeah. all they do is they they run into each other full speed, boom, 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 little mini car accidents every play, and they can't talk a little smack. We're worried about that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's an emotional game and, and part of me says, I get it. I, you know, you make a big tackle. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't care for when it's, you know, you're down 35 to, to 12 or, you know, 10 or whatever. And, you know, you make a tackle and you get up and you're fist pumping and, and you, you know, you're showboating and like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. You need to look at the scoreboard. But I also think there's, maybe some of that that goes into the leadership of the coach. And I think McDermott needs to ring that reel that in for us too. We had a really bad loss this week and we're still after the play jawing at folks or a little extra stuff. It's like, you know what? My, my whole thing is right now the bills are focusing for the jets. Absolutely. But I think even bigger than focusing the Jets, we're looking inward at we're, we're playing in the bills. We're playing ourselves. We need to be better because we can be better. So we're trying to get over our own, hump and doing that kind of stuff is you know i I just wish that mcdermott would kind of put the clamps on that a bit i think that it kind of goes against his philosophy of you know go out there and have fun man you do this for a living and it's it's fun but go and have i think that they might go against that because that's really what they're out there doing is playing a game having fun enjoying what they do uh you know making millions to do it you know I, i think that would kind of go contrary to what he's preached before you know he says he sees trey white dancing after a play he's like go out there and dance trey go have your fun do your thing i i, I don't know they may be maybe counterintuitive i don't i'm not sure but i think i think the players would look at him like all right coach so do you want me to go ahead and be myself or not uh, I don't, I, yeah this i don't I like think, that the nfl went that way i i think there's something to that there's a i think there's a line there and, you know, Jerry Hughes is a great example. Jerry Hughes, how many un- personal fouls and unsportsmanlike conducts does he get? Because he just, that's Jerry, right? You, if you tell Jerry that he needs to tone that down, you're kind of taking some of the effectiveness of Jerry away. But yeah. I don't know. Right now, the way this team is and the expectations and we're falling short and we're just, it's a third loss already this early. That's, that's not what we want. Yeah. Um, but it does seem like the, powers that be are balancing out in the afc like the nfc's got some powerhouses but even them you know like the uh, the buccaneers losing to the saints you know that that, that was you know a powerhouse team losing to a you know a 500 team yeah it, ha- it happens if this was our one loss or a second loss i wouldn't be as concerned but we've lost three straight games well not three straight games we've lost three games that we should have won 
where the defense absolutely was amazing. Yep. And, you know, somebody said it. I think I was listening to uh, not Anthony Marino. Who was I listening to today? Uh, Anthony Romeo. And yep. he was basically saying, I'm sorry. I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to recall his name and I totally forgot what I wanted to say. Anyway. Um, I mean, the defense is playing lights out. We're, we're first against the pass. We're first overall and we're fourth against the run in yards per game. Literally the, the worst thing we're, we're bad at, excuse me, the thing we're worst at, we're still top five in the NFL at. There's no reason why this offense can't pick up the slack. And in three games, they've, they've not done that. They've not held up their end of the bargain. You could argue in the Dolphins game too, but you know they put up 35 points in that first Dolphins game, even though the eye test, it was a stinker. It was like, we should have put up 60 on them guys, but we, did, we didn't. And, you know, shortcomings are, are happening, and I don't know if it's his play calling. I know Dable's been getting a lot of flack from some fans, and I think that, uh, you know, Josh has been getting some flack. I think Josh's flack is a little bit less warranted than Dable's because you know, Josh runs the plays, and his line's been kind of, you know, shuffled again. Uh, it's time this year, next year is time to really invest in that offensive line. It really is. It's just, yeah, that, that, that needs to be the next thing. We got receivers. We've got, you know, the quarterback. We've got defensive line. We've got linebackers. We've got secondary. We've got almost everything we need. Our real weakness is the offensive line. And it's, 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 it needs to be a point of emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. That's the weakest part of the team. I kind of felt that way going into the season, Uh, but what Anthony, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What Anthony Romeo was talking about is even when we were great last year, and we were great, how do we get there? We got there by Josh Allen and almost pretty much Josh Allen alone. The defense wasn't as good last year. They did come up with big stops and key times at the ends of games last year, so give him credit for that. But yep. it was Josh pulling this team and asking him to do too much every week, every week, every week. When you're seeing Josh having to roll out of the pocket and find Gabe Davis on the sideline with a toe tap, a toe tap, or, you know, rolling around so much where he finally gets a Stefan Diggs free and can hit him. Like you are asking Josh to do that consistently, consistently, consistently. And at some point that is going to stop working. If the offensive line, if we don't, if we're not able to run the ball effectively, if he can't stand there in the pocket and do things on schedule. Um, and that's all the offensive lines a key. I don't know. No, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah. I mean, well, that's Anthony Romeo and not me, but uh, he's way smarter than I am. Probably smarter than most of us. Yeah, he is. He's a, he's, he's a scientist. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm not, I'm no scientist. I'm a technician. <laughs> I, I can troubleshoot, but, uh, yeah, he's 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 figuring out how to make stuff work. I'm figuring out why stuff doesn't work. There's <laughs> a difference. And I tell people why people don't work. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. Izzy, you got anything else for me? No, sir. I think, you know, I think we covered a little bit more than we thought we were going to cover. But, you know, I think it was a good conversation. I think that we covered really what the purpose was. Yeah, it's it's just the conversation starter, and it's always good. I don't mind going off topic. It's about the bills, man. That's why we're all here. Yes, but yes, sir. One more time, Izzy. Tell everybody where they can find you. All right, on Twitter, I am at TFP Recon. Uh, on Facebook, you know, is Melmanero Junior. Is my name. Uh, I started a Twitch channel. Uh, I'm hoping to do some more of that, playing Madden online. 
maybe putting some of those videos recorded on to uh, our built in Buffalo network. Uh, once I get back in the flow of Madden, I've, I've been kind of stagnant on the past week, you know, after the loss, it's kind of like, I really don't want to see football right now. So I've been leaving that alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitch at TFP Recon on Twitter, on, on Twitter at, at TFP Recon. I'm on Instagram under my name and on Facebook under my name. You can always feel free to hit me up in any of those. Uh, Friday nights, I do a show at 9 p.m. with uh, Jake Jordan and Justice General uh, called the first round by. And we are always, you know, on there just joking around and BSing. But, you know, we're pretty serious about our football. So don't take the, uh, I guess, the, the us having too much fun too serious because we are definitely having serious conversations on there. So uh, if you're missing our Friday night show, don't. If you miss it on Friday nights, you can find it the next day by going to the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like to give out false compliments, uh, but I will say Justice, Jake, and Izzy are three of the of the members of this crew that I am very proud to be associated with. Uh, all three of them are very good at their jobs. And I mean, everybody knows just how do you not love justice? And Jake, um, he once in a while, he'll come up with, he just has something coming out of his mouth that will make me giggle for like a day. <laughs> I get that. I get that too. Jake, Jake, Jake sets me off. And then I set Jake off. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. We have, we have a clip on, on Twitter. If you go to, if you go to my justices or Jake's Twitter, there's a short clip there. We're talking about Feliciano and we're like, good. And I'm like, we're kind of eating our words on that one now. So <laughs> that's right. We're sorry, Feliciano. We were sorry for everything we've ever said about you. Please come yeah. back healthy. Senor John, please come back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Izzy. This was fun. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. We'll do it one more time before the end of the year, if that's okay with you. Works for me. We do two All right. more times. I don't care. You just let me know and, I, and I'll do my best to be there on time. All right. Enjoy the rest of your night, sir. Thank you. You too. All right. Bills of Mafia. That's it. That's all I have for you this week. Somehow you've made it all the way through another episode of Buffalo in the Brain. I have no idea why you keep doing this to yourself, but I'm very appreciative. Thank you so much to Matt Johnson, Justin Goddard, and Izzy Monero. I can't do this show without the help from my great guest. Until next week, please, 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 Squeeze somebody close to you. You don't know how many days left on the planet you have with those you love. Be kind, wear a mask, and go Bills. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.